Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. And welcome back to the podcast. True pleasure for having you tune in again. Today I have a treat. His name is Dr. Joe Smith. He's the CEO at Reflection Health. In his role as president and chief executive officer of Reflection Health, it's a digital health corp company, by the way. Joe Smith leverages decades of strategic engineering and clinical expertise in the health IT field to lead the company efforts to bring personalized healthcare in the homes of patients across the U.S. Prior to joining the company, he served as the founding chief medical and science officer at West Health Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan medical research organization that provides funding for Digital Health Corp. Dr. Smith's leadership background also includes serving as the Vice President of Emerging Technologies for J&J, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of Guidant Boston Scientific's Cardiac Rhythm Management Division, and Professor of Medicine of Biomedical Engineering at WashU in St. Louis. So wonderful experience, and I'm thrilled to be able to open up the mic to Joe to uh, welcome to the podcast. Joe, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. Now, did I leave anything out in that intro that you want to share with the listeners? Probably only that my uh, my best job to date has been uh, being the father for two young men. So I've uh, I've certainly enjoyed that as uh, probably the, my biggest accomplishment. That's awesome. I can relate. I've got a young young little guy. He's uh, about to be two years old, but man, is it rewarding! Absolutely. So, Joe, what got you into healthcare? Thanks for that question. Uh, it's one I don't ponder that much because it, it feels as natural to me as gravity. But if, mm-hmm. if I had to think about it, it probably comes from growing up with, uh, with a mother. My mom had rheumatic heart disease, which uh, she got having rheumatic fever in the epidemic early in the 19th century. I mean, early in the 20th century, sorry. So I was her travails through the healthcare system kind of dotted my my upbringing and my youth. And so watching her get ministered to with medicines and then finally getting surgery and a mitral valve replacement and, and seeing all of that kind of gave me a vision and an opportunity to really to follow, I think this is Martin Luther King Day, to, so to follow one of, one of uh, MLK's quotes about service and that, that in fact, uh, you know, you, you need you need to ask yourself, what are you doing for others? So it was the combination of that kind of philosophical bent together with early experience that channeled my interest into healthcare. 
love it, Joe, and a very personal story. So I appreciate you sharing it. And, and so here you are. I mean, you fast forward all the years and now you've done a lot and uh, you've been able to impact and serve a lot. And so I'd love to hear from you you know, today, what do you think health leaders need to be thinking about? What needs to be on their agenda at the top? And uh, how are you approaching it? So again, kind of a really, a really good question. I've, uh, with a career in healthcare, I've kind of grown up with a deluge, I think, of, of knowledge and information as we've gotten better and smarter in healthcare. You know, I, I did all my training in Boston, where there's a, a flavor of eminence-based medicine, right? You walk the halls with the giants and the best mm-hmm. that there are, and you learn how to, how to take care of patients and manage different healthcare challenges by studying at the feet of giants. And I've, I've watched us move to where the amount of data, the amount of evidence, the amount of proof so that you can turn to evidence-based medicine is now ever-present. And in fact, it's becoming our biggest challenge is to keep up with the information that's been generated by billions of dollars of medical research and, and lots of innovators to where it's now, it's now functionally impossible. I think we've got more than a million publications in medicine every year. We've got thousands of clinical practice guidelines that are published or updated every year. We've exceeded the capacity of the average practitioner to be able to integrate that information and apply it to the next patient that they see. And so for that reason, I think we have to turn our interest toward artificial intelligence and using technology to provide us the best aid we can in terms of interpreting and integrating all of the information that's available now and growing at an exponential rate. And so I think AI has to be on everybody's mind as something to integrate to help medicine move forward. And the other thing is, is the impressive cost burden we have. You know, the, it's been said that uh, in the U.S. we consume 18% of our gross domestic product on healthcare spending, which is the, the largest both per capita and in total of any country in the world. And I don't think we get value for money. When one looks carefully, where I think Bloomberg just published a study that said of, of the 58 uh, national healthcare systems they could rank in terms of efficiency, we were tied for next to last. So that, that can't feel good. I think it's, it's also clear that of the OECD countries, we are number one in cost and number 11 in value. And so I think we've, we've got to focus on using appropriate technology for which we should be grateful. There's a lot available to lower the overall cost of healthcare delivery. Otherwise, I think we have too much of an opportunity cost in this country where we could use that money to do other things to help to help us uh, be better. Yeah, Joe, some great highlights and um, couldn't agree with you more on the on both fronts, um, you know, on the AI front, I think it's becoming more and more realistic for us to say, what can I do as an individual with AI? Versus even five years ago, it was a little more far-fetched. I mean, we've come a long way. So I'm interested to hear, you know, as we, as we dive deeper into the episode, your thoughts on that, maybe some of the work you guys are doing at, at Reflection, uh, your company. So maybe you can share with us something that you guys are up to, a time when you guys made a big difference by doing and thinking things differently. So for us at Reflection, we just took a look at the way people are recovering from accident or injury or uh, surgical joint replacement or surgery in general. And the the notion of physical recovery in a post-acute care setting seemed uh, to disadvantage the patient a bit. We would ask people who are trying to recover 
to come back and forth to a clinician's office for physical therapy, or we would at times have physical therapists visit them in the home, which is a similarly awkward circumstance for many. When there's technology that's readily available that can educate and monitor and coach and reward patients to do their therapy in the safety and comfort of their own home, it just had to be kind of developed and refined and then made available. And so that's been the early mission of Reflection Health is to take the post-acute care setting for patients and change it so that they can actually get the professional guidance, admittedly largely stored within computer algorithms and cute interactive avatars and low-cost 3D imaging technologies, but give them the opportunity, empower them to do their their therapy, their re- the rest of their recovery at home. So we've, we've built a technology platform that facilitates that, that is connected to their clinicians remotely so that they can easily, safely, and at, at low burden to them, at low, at low burden meaning they don't have to travel back and forth, they don't have to worry about getting their brother-in-law to drive them back and forth to therapy sessions. They, they don't have to pay for parking or co-pays. And clinicians get to, to observe kind of an unprecedented amount of information because the way we've built the technology, it images the patient, it does skeletal reconstruction and estimates joint angles and limb velocities at 30 times a second and, and runs that up against algorithms for the appropriate way they should be moving to give the patients real-time feedback and to document for the clinicians just what's going on. And so we've taken you know, kind of uh, our own medicine and said, look, aren't there, aren't there appropriate bits of technology that can make healthcare for the patient a little more centered on them, where they would like to get their care, and also do this in a way which is uh, much cheaper than kind of traditional measures of care. Interesting. And so fascinating work, Joe, and, and so mainly focused on on the end of the experience at the acute facility, taking them home for recovery. So I would love to hear from you just an example of a time that you guys made a difference or you know, you, you really helped improve outcomes through what you guys are doing. Sure. So I'm classically trained as first an engineer and then as a cardiologist. So I really value kind of quantitative information and proof of value. Mm-hmm. I think in the space of AI or, or digital health, as people are calling it, or even digital therapeutics, there's a fair bit of hope. There's even some hype but there's not a lot of proof. Hmm. And so for us to distinguish ourselves, but also to know that we're working on something that can truly matter, we bit the bullet and did a arm's length prospective randomized control trial comparing this notion of virtual physical therapy, virtual recovery at home with the standard of care, with what people are typically used to getting. So we did that with the Duke Clinical Research Institute, the, I think the largest academic clinical research organization in the U.S. had them run it for us and uh, got the results a little while ago, which which were gratifying. They show that, you know, not only are the clinical outcomes as good or or better than routine kind of face-to-face therapy, but it also happens in a way that the patients love. We get uh, net promoter scores that are better than Apple products and Amazon services, and also with a tremendous savings to the healthcare system. So we found that uh, we pulled out about $2,800 in healthcare expenses using a, uh, a virtual uh, approach. So for us, That's this huge. is it's one of those things where it's good for the patient. It truly is patient-centered. It truly is value-based, which is what we need in our healthcare system, is to return back to 
kind of making sure we get good value for money. And it also delights patients. They enjoy this. So all of that feels like it's a, a win-win-win. Love it. What a great example, Joe, and, and fascinating. These things are becoming more real. I, today, actually, I, for the first time, did yoga in my living room with an online instructor. <laughs> I, I, it's just incredible what you could do today. I'm like, you and know, how did that go? Um, it went awesome. I love it. I suspect it went just great. You know, there's it went wonderful. There's, uh, I obviously follow the space a fair bit now, and there's there's uh, some surprising data on kind of behavioral medicine where if you're undergoing kind of talk therapy with a therapist to help you mm-hmm. work through some issues, it looks like doing so remotely is incrementally better than doing it face to face. Oh. You know, there's, there's probably some important dynamics around making sure you're absolutely comfortable as you work through some issues. And so it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, this is the future today, folks. So you're listening to this and maybe the skeptical side of you is saying, man, no way. Well, I want to tell you yes way and start thinking about this seriously, whether you're, you're practicing, uh, you know, physical therapy, don't be the taxi cabs of, of yesterday. Or if you're a provider, thinking through what you could do to get lean and and to make your customers, patients happier. Definitely intriguing work here by Joe and his team. And so take this seriously. So what would you say as you've grown the company and you've done what you've done, what's a setback that you had that you learned from? Tell us about that. Yeah. So I think if you ask that question of every entrepreneur or small company CEO, you, you might get a flood of every day has uh, some, some victories and some, some skirmishes and some losses. I think in general, there's probably a theme to kind of the missteps that one can make. And one is it's pretty easy to overestimate what you can get done in a, in a particular period of time or underestimate the resources required. For us, the challenges of managing across a very diverse cohort of folks, because we have, you know, we have artists, we have user experience professionals. We've got really hardcore coding engineers and algorithm developers and folks that are really quite knowledgeable about computer vision. And so to keep all those together, each with their own sort of cultural dynamics, I think that's a challenge. It's one I think we all rise to, but it's certainly a challenge. I'm a geeky engineer cardiologist. And so I often focus more on the rational and the analytical as opposed to the, the kind of the cultural, behavioral, emotional bits. Mm-hmm. And so I certainly need to, needed to build out my EQ in addition to my IQ so that I could, I could understand that it's very important to build a culture that, that respects that great diversity in order to get the most out of everybody. I don't know if that completely answers your question, but that's yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, it's it's definitely the having to mix these different groups to get it done, and at the same time respecting the logic and emotions of of both to make it happen in a good culture. Yeah, you know, by all means, it's not easy. And kudos to you for being able to get it off the ground and get it going. So the other side of the coin is some proud moments. I'd love to hear one of your proudest uh, moments has been to date with uh, the company. So with the company, it's it's probably every time we culminate a new release where we get something all the way done and get it out and, and then hear back from the patients about how this has been great for me. This has helped me. The notion of we've just had some horrific snowstorms in the across the Midwest and the Northeast, and we 
we have uh, we have patients that we serve uh, across the U.S. now, and so. Uh, hearing that the snowstorm was disruptive of everything else in their life except for their therapy because they could readily, <laughs> you know, that, that's that. Good, right. Uh, hearing, yeah. hearing from patients that they got better so much faster than they thought or hearing from a husband who's changed, you know, where he's going to get his surgery done so that he can take advantage of, of this more convenient way of getting his rehabilitation accomplished. All of that, all of that feels, feels just terrific. But I'd say on par with that is hearing from the employees about how they feel like they're really making a difference, right? That they hear these stories and it gives, it gives them real meaning and purpose to be able to know that at the other end of their technology, they're actually helping somebody work with a, a medical challenge. That feels terrific. That's outstanding. I would definitely be proud of working behind a technology like yours. And so by all means, Joe, keep up the awesome work. It's definitely making a difference. Uh, tell us about an exciting project you're focused on today. Yeah, so I, I would say that in in uh, again in in two ways. One is uh, you know we're we're taking the core technology and doing what our customers are asking us to do to expand this into either other parts of the body or other other conditions. And so it feels great to have clinical pull, right? So from mm-hmm. from people who are telling us, hey, could you please stretch your you know what you're thinking of doing with this technology and and help us here, whether it's with young people who are struggling with uh, ACL repair, which is can be the, long, the recovery can be long, or if it's older folks who are struggling with the long recovery associated with having their shoulders repaired, could we please focus on that? The other thing that that is also uh, pretty exciting for us is uh, about a year and a half ago, we we made an acquisition of a company in Boston called the Learning Corp. Uh, at the time, it was called Constant Therapy, but we renamed it the Learning Corp. And there, we're focusing on using a similar approach of home-based kind of automated smart learning approach to do speech language and cognitive therapy in the home. And I'm, I'm really excited about where that company's going. We're growing users every day. We're, we've committed to doing a prospective randomized control trial with the FDA to make sure that we can prove out the value that so far the patients tell us we have. And so I'm very excited about those two opportunities now combining to be an opportunity for us to bring most of recovery to the home, to where patients are so that they can do this in, in a way that's under their own control, but also in a way that's respectful of the resources that we have to kind of garner in, uh, in healthcare. Well, I think it's, it's brilliant, especially in the recovery phase where mobility is a challenge. Why not meet customers? And I keep saying customers purposely. <laughs> meet customers where they are. I think this is the future. This is the way that it's going to work. Joe, love this. Super exciting. I mean, just horizon <laughs> viewing with you is, is fun. Let's pretend we're building a uh, course here for the listeners, the 101 of Dr. Joe Smith. And I've got five questions for you, lightning round style, followed by sure. a book that you recommend the listeners. Ready? Go. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think the best way is to focus on quantitative outcomes, right? So it, it is instead of focusing on a process or focusing on volume, which we tend to do, or focusing on making hospitals better. I think we've got to focus on making care better and focus really on outcomes. We do this in every other, every other industry. You know, we have quality systems that have feedback directly related to outcome. And in, in healthcare, we're still not all the way there. We talk about patient-centered healthcare, but yet we ask people to come to hospitals. That looks more like doctor-centered healthcare to me. And so I, I think it's an issue of focus. And what would you say the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid is? 
to respect too much the status quo. I think we, we have convinced ourselves that our healthcare system is great in the absence of any proof of that. Instead, it's in, in the presence of demonstrable evidence that we're not, we're not that great. We're, we're incredibly expensive and we don't have terrific outcomes on a national scale compared to international metrics. And so I think we've got to develop a kind of a healthy challenge of the status quo and realize that there's an awful lot we do because we've done it, but not because it's been proven to be the best. Love that. And how would you say uh, is the best way for your organization to stay relevant despite constant change? So it's realizing that we need to disrupt ourselves as much as anyone else would be willing to. And so it is not enough to be the best on any given day. You have to keep envisioning what could be the better future. And so I think we have to devote ourselves not just to making the current product great, but to making the next product better. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? It's the patient. I just got back from the JP Morgan healthcare meeting, and I would say I heard all sorts of vocabulary words, but the patient as a word was used too infrequently. I think we put it right up uh, in front of everybody that we are patient-centered, value-based, and data-driven. So if you can't say those three things in the company, you don't get to stay here very long. And so I do think if we keep our eye on the patient and what they need to get better. Make sure that we provide real value and then that we're not selling snake oil, that we really have to prove that that value exists to the patient and to the healthcare system. I think that's how you stay, not just relevant, but you stay ahead of the ball. Love it. And uh, the last one here, Joe, is, is a two-part question. What is your number one health habit and what is your number one success habit? Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to honestly just say that I'm a better preacher than I am a, a student. Uh, and so okay. my health habits are, are not, so, not so great. So I'll demure and say I'm a, I'm a persistent and tardy student of good healthcare habits. What is your number one success habit? I think it's dogged determination to communicate uh, as well as possible. I think I'm really good at the quantitative and analytic part, but it turns out that uh, that's not enough for people to hear. They need to hear the kind of emotional core. I think my mom used to say, people don't care what it is you're going to say until they know why it is you're showing up. And so I think leading with the rationale for why we're all together and making sure that people can, can grasp that themselves and it aligns with their own values, that's probably the thing I, I work hardest at. So insightful, Joe. Love that. And, and what book would you recommend to the listeners? So I really like uh, Yuval Harari's uh, Sapiens. So it's not the easiest of reads, but I think in 400 pages, uh, he works really hard to provide color and context for who we are as uh, homo sapiens and how we got here, our, our kind of brief tenure on the planet and tenuous as it is, but also you know, why we do some of the things we do. Uh, it provides, I think, real genuine context for how it is we interact with each other, why it is that you know, groups are only so big and that habits uh, are as they are. I think it provides a little bit of introspection at the same time, some color and context about, about us. Great recommendation, Joe. And, and folks, if you want to uh, get a link to that book or uh, just our entire transcript, uh, the mini syllabus that we constructed for you, just go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar, uh, look up Joe Smith or Reflection with an X. That's R-E-F-L-E-X-I-O-N. You're going to find all that there. Joe, we're here at the end. I'd love if you could just uh, leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could learn more about you or the company that you're leading here. 
So uh, again, it is, uh, we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day, and I was looking across some of his quotes, and one that I found particularly useful was, almost always, it's the creative, dedicated minority that has made the world better. And so I think for a little entrepreneurial companies that are trying to make a difference in healthcare, I think it's really easy to get, to get squashed as you run against the, the status quo. But I think it's important to realize that most of the important, impactful change that occurs occurs by a small army of the committed. And so I would say, you know, if you believe in what you're doing, you know, keep your head down uh, and keep pushing. Love it. What an inspirational message, Joe. And folks, um, for more information on Dr. Joe Smith and his company, just again, go to outcomesrocket.health and look it up there. Joe, thanks again for your time, man. Really, really appreciate the discussion we had today. Thanks a whole bunch. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.